Welcome to Kenny and the Coaches. The last Sunday of February, there are some schools have already started their preseason work for spring sports, and there are some lucky few still in basketball, powerlifting, and wrestling. We keep the football theme going on this episode. I visit with Paul Huska head football coach Matt Hennessy, and here's our conversation. All right, Coach, thanks for taking a little bit of time to visit with me today. No problem, no problem. Now, I always ask this question starting off. Who were some of the people in your life that kind of influenced you to become a coach, and who are some of the people that you kind of look to for advice? Well, I think, first of all, with my high school coach, Ron Lancaster. And, uh, you know, I was not only lucky enough to play for Ron and win a state championship at Enoch, but when I graduated from college, he called me, just got the jinx job, told me to get my science endorsement, and he hired me there, so I got to start off coaching for him at Jenks, and we actually came back together and worked together at Muskogee again mm-hmm. um, after that. So we've actually worked together a lot, but also then obviously playing for Bill Snyder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've been blessed to have some guys in my lives that showed me how to build programs and how to take programs that weren't very good and, you know, lay the foundation and, and do things right to to set them up for success in the future. Now, how important is it for you to kind of be a mentor for other coaches? I mean, not just a mentor is kind of a bad, kind of a broad word, just kind of a person that coaches feel like they can come to for advice. Well, I think that's 100% my job now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's some, you know I, I tell guys all the time, don't get in too big a hurry. I see young coaches want to get in too big a hurry, and all of a sudden, you know, they want to be a coordinator. They want to be a head coach so fast. You know, David Blevins is one of the best coaches that ever coached for me. David, he was with me, I think, almost 18 years. Mm-hmm. And um, when he first came out of college, you know, he's a Division One athlete, super smart guy, math teacher. You know, most guys would hire him. You know, he, he could probably be a coordinator, you know, yeah. to an extent. Right off the bat, and he came out and said, you're going to be a great one. I could tell immediately he's going to be one of the best around. I said, you're going to be a seventh grade coach. He yeah. kind of looked at me and kind of down. I said, but you're my next year I'm going to be up to eighth grade. The next year I'm going to be ninth grade. When they get to high school, you can coach high school. And, and and that's the way it went. And I moved him up to coordinator, and he never missed any steps. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of guys want to, you know, they want to go too fast and miss the steps. But you know, I, th- I do think that's my role now is you know being kind of the older coach around. I've been doing it 31 years now, so <laughs> is is to help develop coaches. I've got a great couple great young ones on my staff right now. Tyler Hughes is one of them. He just got him 35 under 35, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's. We just had a, we had an opening as our AD. Our AD resigned in the middle of football season. Wow. You know, and then they tried to get me to do it three or four times. I'm like, no, I don't want to be AD. And, um, <laughs> it's another headache. I, went to him, I, said, I said, I said, Tyler, it'd be a great one. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to be an AD. I want to be an online coach. And I said, well, at some point you want to be a head coach, right? He said, yes. And I said, the reason young guys don't get jobs a lot of times because they don't have experience. They don't have that on their resume yet, you know, and, I said, here's a free chance to get an experience being an administrator, being an athletic director. You know, a lot of times when you go be a head coach in order for them to get your money right, you got to be an AD too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so he's, you know, he jumped into that, but he's doing a good job. And I just, I think if, if older guys aren't willing to share that, I mean, uh, there's no secrets in football. Mm-hmm. Everybody acts like there's all this top secret stuff, you know, and there, there's no secrets. Everybody stole something from somebody. Now you, you go make it your own and you fit it into your package and you fit it into how you do things, your personality. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's nothing original in football. Yeah. Um, so I think it's our job as, as the older guys to, mm-hmm. to help those young guys. And hopefully the young guys ask questions. You know, I think the, the ones that want to go ask questions, go to clinics, go talk to guys, call guys up and ask them, Hey man. And our, you know, they, 
they're not too proud to ask for something or ask for help or ask for suggestions. Those are the ones that end up being great coaches. The ones that just think they know everything or, or are too proud to ask, mm-hmm. they're never going to pass the good ones. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think that's something that's kind of changed over time too. I think, you know, probably – 20, 30 years ago, people were like that. They were like, well, I'm not, I'm supposed to know coming in. I'm not going to ask anybody, you know I mean? Probably the, the, a lot of the same kind of guys that coached you, they were kind of rough around the edges, you know, <laughs> so probably weren't the most approachable guys in the world, but they probably were. It's just, it was almost like, you know, you just, you just kind of do what you do. Don't really ask questions. But I do think that's something that's, it's, it's refreshing to see people, you know, coaches, young coaches coming in and being like, they they're, open they're willing to learn you know and i think that's a big big key big, yeah, i think i disagree with you i think i'd say the new coaches nowadays they already think they know it all really and you think they, so and, and they and they not I mean, you get some that don't mm-hmm. but the majority of them think they know it all they think they should already be a coordinator think they should already be a head coach you know they've been coaching two years and they think they ought to be a head coach whereas that wasn't the way back you had to work your way up Back yeah. In the day. Now, True. Now, I will say this about the old, the old guys. I older than me. They <laughs> yeah. would share anything. They would tell you anything. Now you might, you better not get your feelings hurt because they might. <laughs> yeah, they that might is tell true. To you in a way you, you don't want to hear it, but <laughs> but they were going to tell you and they were going to get you right. And I always, I mean, I still think back to one of the very first clinics I ever went to. As a matter of fact, it might, it might, you know, I think it was my very first state coaches clinic, and we. We went and it was at the Camelot Hotel. That's how old it was. So, uh, I mean, the Camelot was where all the coaches were standing. It was all the legends, Ron Marvel, um, mm. Dr. DeFee, uh, Lancaster, all these, all the legends, like the old, old guys. Yeah. And and we went and got a 30-pack of beer and walked into that thing, and Lancaster told me, he goes, here's the deal. Get, you take your notebook in, you sit sit there, and you sit there, and you listen, you take notes, and you shut up, and you don't say nothing. You don't you don't get to say nothing yet. Because you <laughs> so, learned that, right? Uh-huh. You, but you sit down, and you pay attention, you learn. Mm-hmm. And and you learned a ton. Of course, I've I've said forever, I've learned more on napkins than I've learned on in a clinic. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you get with, with, get with coaches, and they'll really, they really share their stuff with you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying there. Now, okay, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit about this this past season and what you guys have, you know, going forward into A1 this upcoming season? Uh, we're, we're excited. I mean, you know, anytime you drop back down, it's, it was definitely a, uh, there's a big difference between Class 2A and, and Class A. Yeah. Um, and, may, and maybe not the top teams. You know, I think Fairview could play right there with anybody. I think, mm-hmm. you know, play there with, you know, the top ones could play in that mix. You know, and we competed in that mix. The difference is the top ones at two A. You're just not gonna beat. You're not gonna beat the Washingtons and the Millwoods and the. Yeah. There's some of those guys that you're probably not gonna beat those guys. And then, and then also week in week out, you have to play in two A. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit of a battle of attrition you know, with with health and stuff like that. It's kind of like when I was at Muskogee, we didn't have six A two, and so we were six A one. And every year we could, you know, we we got the semis three times, and we could beat Jinxer Union one of those times but we couldn't beat them both and you know we just get beat up by the end of the year we just didn't have enough players yeah and so you kind of have the same thing so we're excited about that next year you know my quarterback's back my 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 leading receiver's back and so you know we lose a couple of good players like like everybody does mm-hmm. but you know one thing that chris elric told me when i when i first dropped down into class a and i you know, I was coming from Locust Grove, which I thought was small school ball. You know, being 3A, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, y'all, all I'd ever been in my whole life was 6A. Mm-hmm. So when I went to Locust Grove, I thought that was small school football. Mm-hmm. And I and I had to learn all the change. There are, it's, 
there's a lot of differences as you drop down classes and you change classes. Uh, you know, I would say the biggest thing is, is it's maybe the football is not quite as complex. Mm-hmm. It's not because the coaches aren't as good. It's because the coaches have to do so many more things. Yeah. You know, a lot of those coaches are chalking their field and they're, and they're, you know, have to teach five hours and they're having to do this and they're, and they're, you know, they're coordinating both sides of the ball and they got four coaches total or whatever. You know, so, so the coaches really have to do a lot more things, mm-hmm. but you know, so I had to learn how to manage my time a little better, and I had to learn how to structure some things a little bit different when I dropped to 3A. And then even more so when you drop to A, but one thing Chris Elrick said is when you get down to that level, the programs that have consistency, meaning that they find a good football coach and he gets a good staff and they don't have a lot of turnover every year, mm-hmm. they're going to be the same teams that are competing for it every year. Year in, year out, they're going to be you know, right there in that top five or six teams. And that's just how it is because you have so much turnover in small school ball. I mean, when I got here, I was the sixth, I was the fifth coach in six years yeah. to come to Pasco. Now they've been on 10, and, but you know, I think, so I think that consistency. And so it's, it's the beauty of it. When you start building consistency in your program, I know we, we weren't even, uh, it was in December and I was already having parents reach out to me to know which, which weeks are their weeks off in the summer so they could schedule vacation. Cause everybody in this town knows now, you know, you gotta go to summer pride. You don't get to miss and, mm-hmm. There, there'll be some breaks in there. That's when you schedule vacation. So that's the beauty of just the consistency of not only the kids understanding what's going to happen, but also the parents and the community knows what to expect. Yeah, and that kind of leads me into this. I was kind of doing a little research before I got on the phone with you. I found a video you did from a clinic where you were talking about the five components to building a program. Yes, and that sir. was, I mean, you were, I, every, I was listening to it and I was like, yep, that's spot, you know, everything you were saying was spot on. But ha, have you kind of found, I mean, it seems like every place you've been, you've had success at. Uh, have you ever found that if just one of those components are off, that the success or the ability to get that program built to where you want it is, is hindered any? It's 100%. You're 100% right. You have to have all five. That's the whole mm-hmm. The whole, whole reason I use the analogy of a fist, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to have players, you got to have coaches, you got to have an administration that backs you. And when I say administration, also teachers, the whole, that whole gamut. You got to have parents that are willing to buy into your program. You got to have a community that's willing to invest because winning is not cheap. Winning costs money. I don't care what people say. It's You can't do it on just your, your gate or your, what your school can pay you. Whatever. You got to be able to raise money and you got to be able to have some people that help fund your program. Mm-hmm. And but if all five of those things aren't just trying to go into a fight with one of your fingers sticking out, right? you're not going to be very effective knocking somebody out with 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 one finger sticking out or oh, yeah. two fingers sticking out. You know, you got to have them all t- pulled in there tight together, and and then also going to battle together. Those all five of those entities, you know, fighting together to to try to win. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think we found that here at Pasco. We found it at Logs Grove. You know, a lot of that I think it's the coach's job to build that. Mm-hmm. And going with a mindset of it's that's my job as the head coach to coach all those entities. It's mm-hmm. my job to coach my coaches. It's my job, obviously, to coach players. It's my job to coach my administration. And that sounds funny. Like, how are you going to coach your, your administration? A lot of times, just they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not trying to make you fail. They just don't know any better. They've never been in a program. You know, I just uh, we, we got a new superintendent this year, and he walked in, he came in after the season. We did my season ending evaluation, and he said, wow, I said, I've never, because I thought I was a good, he was a football coach before he came to ministry. So I thought I was good until I've been around you. He goes, I've never been around big programs. So obviously this is what a big program looks like. Because mm-hmm. I don't believe, I don't care how many A's you got on your program. I think you still run it like you're, you know, OU or you're, 
your Jinx or Bixby or whoever, you still run your program exactly the same. You may not have the same number of coaches. You may not have Taj Mahal's in the end zone. But at the end of the day, you just got less number of helmets. Other than that, you still run it, just run the program the same way. Yeah. And and um, so you got to get guys that you can, you know, you, you teach them how to do it too. Same thing with your booster club and your, your community and, you know, going out and getting involved in the community. It's a... It's a, it takes a lot. You can't you can't just coach X's and O's and think you're going to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And this is my first year at at Velma, and um, you know I'd been at other schools. I went to school. I graduated from school at Fox, and I went back to coach at Fox. You know, we kind of had a tradition of football, but I've not been in a community. I mean, we're really all five of the. When I when I watched that video, I was like, man, that sounds just like Velma. All five of those entities were. I mean, they really do hear work in unison together. I'd never really been a part of anything like that. And it was I, I, it was really kind of neat to see. It was just like every week I'm like, okay, you know, the luster's going to come off a little bit. But, I mean, all the way through the state championship game, it was just like, you know, it was really – I've seen people with shirts on that say, like, you know, my school versus the world. You know, it really did feel like that. It felt like this community was all together. You know, it didn't matter who came in here or where we went. We were all together as one, and I think that is huge. That is huge. Oh, absolutely. That's how it has to be if you're going to win. That's why you guys won. Yeah, I, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Now, I, I say you definitely know how to build a program. I mean, you took over – you mentioned you took over Paul Huska when they were 0-10, and, and then you just – you guys just got better and better. You know, do you find it harder to kind of maintain the the level that you're that you're at, or do you think it's – um, harder to kind of get it started? Um, it's all hard. Um, yeah. you know, the thing is, is winning's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used to, I used to always say, you know, I, I, I hate losing more than I like winning. And I, you know, my mom passed away this last year and made me really sit down and evaluate some things. And mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. And also, you know, Seth Luttrell's one of my good, but you ask one of my mentors, one of the guys I go to, Seth Luttrell's one of those guys now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's now the office corner at OU, but he wasn't, or Texas, but Seth and I are good buddies, and Seth's got a saying that that every win is hard, and you mm-hmm. celebrate every win just like it's a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you think about that. You know, sometimes you play that team that you end up beating eighty to nothing, you know, and mm-hmm. really there's no way they were going to beat you, but that win was still hard because you didn't win that week that week in practice. You know, win that game that week. Mm-hmm. You won it through summer pride. You won it through all the stuff you've done to build your program good to where you can dominate a game like that but so every win is hard and you should celebrate every win so you know i think there is some complacency in trying to keep the the hard part once you once you turn a program around is fighting the complacency Mm -hmm. and and again it's fighting the complacency in all five of those entities so it's not just you know sometimes your players just start taking away sometimes your coaches do sometimes your administration they forget what it was like six years ago when they were 0-10 mm-hmm. and, and they had no school support and and, the, and there was more discipline problems. Because here's the thing is when you win, mm-hmm. you have less discipline problems, you have less attendance problems, you have all these less problems at school. And any good administrator will tell you that. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike Means was my principal when I my first year at Jinx and he brought me and said, look, I love football, I used to coach football, but I don't, I don't think football is the most important sport out there. But I will tell you this, it sets the tempo. How oh. you guys do this year will mm-hmm. set the tempo for our year because football is the most visible sport, and it's the first rattle out of the box. Mm-hmm. It's the first sport we do. It's the first thing we do. It sets the tempo for the year. And so, you know, I think 
but, but the thing is, those guys will start getting complacent. They'll start saying, okay, yeah, you know, I know we told you when you came in here you weren't going to teach any classes, but, you know, we're, we're really need a teacher, and you're doing fine now. You probably don't have as much to do or whatever. Yeah. And, you, you know, and that's a myth. You know, you do have – you can't ever get complacent. The minute you get complacent, you're going to start getting your tail beat. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, you do have to fight that a little bit, but as long as you still approach every year and, you know, you, you have a plan – that basically outlines the 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. And as long as you don't alter that plan and say, well, yeah, I'm not going to do that just because, you know, we don't, we don't really need to anymore. That's not, you know, that's not true. So, um, you gotta fight. They're both difficultly hard. So I don't know if there's a, a true answer of which one's harder. Yeah. Um, you know, you every year is different. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. have different athletes. You're going to have all of a sudden you're going to have a team you play shows up that they're loaded with athletes. You're going to have, a year that you show up that you are, or you're gonna have a year that you have a ton of injuries or whatever, mm-hmm. and you just you got you got to fight each year individually. That's how it is. Yeah, yeah. Now, kind of talking about those those loaded teams. Let's kind of talk about that 2020 team. I was kind of looking up just different things on you, and I saw that uh, you guys that 2020 team scored 695 points in the regular season. I mean, that was like I looked at that and I kind of do a double take. I was like, is that for real? That's a lot of points to score in a regular in ten games. That's that's a lot of points. What was, I mean, what was the special sauce you guys had that twenty twenty season? You know, I think a couple things. One, we were in Class A, so I'm not gonna sit here and toot my horn and say that we were playing against great defenses every week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were some teams in there that that we were up literally eighty. And I, I don't believe you can run the score in the first half. So I mean, I get accused of running the score sometimes, but. I don't, I don't, in my mind, we don't run the score up. We, I don't believe you can in the first half. I will play as hard as fast as we can in the first half. Mm-hmm. And we do play fast. We, we play super fast. Um, and we had a lot of good players that year. Um, so there was, we had uh, three different games that year. There was 80 to nothing at halftime. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and then the game, ended up, one of the games actually, we ended up taking a knee the, last, the whole fourth quarter. So we didn't score 100 because we got mm-hmm. 98 with wow. my JV. Because I didn't, my starters didn't suit up second half. <laughs> and, um, but my JV still scored on I mean, I'm not going to tell my JV kids not to score no. typically. Then do them any then good. We got to, then we got to that point, and it was like, well, uh, just, just we were already going around the clock. And, yeah. But, but you know, it is what it is. But no, I think, I think we just had that team that, and not, and only that we had, we had a really good defense. Mm-hmm. So our defense got us the ball back super fast. Um, you know, the next year we didn't score. I think we were just as good offensively. But we didn't score as many points because teams got a little smarter and they went a little slower, mm-hmm. and they tried to they tried to milk the clock a little more. Yeah, you know, they did they did some things instead of going out and trying to match a score for score that first quarter, and then all of a sudden before they know it, it's 40, 40 something to nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and the, they're not running any time off the clock. So so you know, there's a little bit of that, and then of course you know we bump up to it. It was it was tough. You know, we you know we still averaged forty eight points a game this year. So we've averaged over 40 every year I've been here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think our offense is built for that. That's kind of our belief. Our offense and our defense, we're super aggressive on defense and special teams too. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, that year, 2020, it was, it was special. And, you know, and you had a lot of teams having COVID problems and having mm-hmm. this and that. You know, I was, I was always, uh, my, my joke is always, it was amazing that year that, no good teams ever had to forfeit because of COVID. Yeah, <laughs> true. It's like, it's like COVID, yeah. COVID didn't affect the good teams. So yeah. But, uh, you yeah. know, all those other teams, they found a way to 
eh, we got we got a kid out. We're not gonna play this week or yeah. whatever. So, but you know, it's a uh, we had some really good players. Bryce Drummond was our quarterback, and he ended up went to North Texas to play quarterback. Actually, he's transferred to Oklahoma State now. He's gonna start at fullback for him next year. Oh wow, good. Um, and you know, Mason Gilkey was on that team. He's at Oklahoma State also as a receiver. Mm-hmm. And we just we just had some really good players that that had, had bought into the system. You know, they those were those were the same kids that. Now Bryce's class, that was the same. My juniors that year were the same group that, when they were freshmen, they were they didn't win a game, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. you know, and then, then the group behind them was that that sophomore. That that other group was really talented. They, they had a bunch of really good players, and and I knew that when I took the job. You know, I I'm not dumb. I look at the job. I knew that I knew <laughs> they were only ten, and they only had sixteen kids out for football at the end of the year. Wow. But I looked at, you know, I asked a bunch of questions. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to do this? And then I looked at their junior high, you know, in their eighth and ninth grade, and their seventh and eighth grade team. I mean, hadn't lost a game in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I knew they had some kids coming. It's just a matter of fighting through it and getting to it. Yeah. Now, I mean, it, it seems to me that high-powered kind of open offenses are becoming the norm in in smaller school levels. I mean, it, it seems like the days of playing in a phone booth or you know, slowly dying away, thank goodness. <laughs> but what do you attribute that to, the, the smaller schools kind of becoming more open offenses? Well, I think it's all schools. I think, I think most most your big schools are too. Uh, mm-hmm. but, I, but I think it's when OU went to it, you know, everybody wants – and then, not, you know, when OSU plays fast now. So your local teams are doing it. But also, it gets your athletes out there. I mean, mm-hmm. all your athletes want to play. It. And in small schools, if we're going to win, we got to have every athlete playing. I'm big – I'm a big no-off-season guy. I don't believe in off-season. Mm-hmm. Um, when we in football season, you're gonna you're gonna go if you make the basketball team, you're gonna play that. You're gonna play basketball. If you're not, you go wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just I was just looking. I was, I was telling my wife I was pretty happy because um, our wrestling team does have four or five kids, four or five starters on the wrestling team that just wrestle. They don't play football. They don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. But they went to a big conference tournament this past weekend. They had eight kids at place, all eight kid of all eight of them were football players. Yeah. The other the other ones that were I didn't see pictures of the kids that, that weren't in other that weren't in football, you know, that that concentrate on one sport, which I don't believe in concentrate on one sport anyway. Mm-hmm. Even when I was at big schools I didn't believe in that. Yeah. But small schools especially, if you don't have your best athletes out there. So you know you got to you know, that goes along with that five components working together. You gotta have other coaches. When I say coaches, I'm not talking, talking about football coaches. You gotta have coaches in other sports willing to work with you too. Yep. Like a plus we do we every athlete we got trains at six thirty in the morning. We we bring them all in, we lift at six thirty and then they go to their sport in the afternoon. You know, so we that's don't worry nice. about not lifting, kids not working out, you know, because that's usually when the fight gets starts is, well, I want him working out. I want him doing this. Or and half the time it's not even the coaches. It's their parents mm-hmm. or it's the kids. Well, I don't want to miss working out. I need to be lifting. I need to be doing this. I, and, you know, no, you already got it in. Now go wrestle. Yeah. And, you know, you already got it in. Go play basketball. Yeah. But so our kids, you know, just being, I think, but the spread offense allows that, allows you to go get those basketball players. It allows you to go get those track guys, those guys that maybe they don't want to line up and go three yards in a cloud of dust and, and pound somebody's face every day, every down. Yeah. But they'll get out there and run around and catch footballs, you yeah. know. And so I think that also helps a lot as far as getting your getting all your good athletes in your school out. How do you, I mean, this is kind of a little, well, I guess it's on subject, but um, how do you kind of feel wrestling and football kind of intermingle? Do you think they kind of help each other out as far as, as the skills measure? Yeah, there, there's always, I say all the time, I tell wrestling, and I used to coach wrestling too, but <clears> not wrestling <throat> in high school, but 
there's there's nothing you do in football really that makes you a better wrestler. Mm-hmm. But everything you do in wrestling makes you a better football player. From your balance to your hips, from getting from your hand hand fighting, mm-hmm. getting hands off of you, you know, and then just the the competing. For me, more than anything else, is the the going and competing. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I can I don't know how much competition we're getting in off season underneath a bench press. Yeah, we're trying to get a better max or whatever, but go out there in the middle of a mat in a singlet with just you and one dude under his light with a gym full of people watching you. Mm-hmm. That's competing. You know, go out there, be, be the point guard in basketball with the game on the line coming down, having to, having to make something happen. That's competing. Mm-hmm. And I would rather have that because when it comes down to fourth quarter, I've got to have dudes that compete. At that point, your bench press probably ain't going to matter much. True. Very true. Very true. I've never been at a school that's that's had wrestling, so I've always kind of wondered that. I've always I've heard, you know, people on the other side say that it doesn't help, you know, wrestling doesn't help with any other sport. But I just in my head I've always seen, well, I mean it's that's in the trenches, you know. My best ta- and my best tacklers are always wrestlers. Really? Um, yeah. you know, and especially how we teach tackling, you know, eyes to thighs, you know, the way we teach tackling now, nowadays, you know, yeah. you just shooting a double leg. I mean, that's all you're doing, you're shooting a double leg. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean, it's uh, my tackles were always wrestlers my whole career, but but especially now. Yeah. Now, but before I get uh, let you go, I've been asking coaches this question too. How do how do you feel the the transfer rule is going to affect things this coming summer? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to affect it much. I don't think it'll affect me much. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to have anybody leave that I know of, um, and I don't really. I, doubt that I get anybody I might where we're at you know we're not super close to any place yeah, yeah. but you know I might pick up one from Dewey or Bartlesville or somewhere you know mm-hmm. you might get one who knows but at the end of the day I think you know everybody talks about you know it's gonna that's gonna big schools are just gonna get all these players well honestly I think it's gonna hurt your big schools depth more than people don't think about how it's gonna same thing as doing at college right now mm-hmm. this stud sophomore that is gonna be the next big thing, Division One kid at, at Owasso, I'm just in our school, I don't know this for a fact, just yeah, yeah. I say Owasso, well, there's a senior there, so he can't beat him out this year, but he's going to start as a junior. Well, he's going to leave because he thinks he, he, cause he can't. He can, go, he can go to Broken Arrow or somewhere and start as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Well, now Owasso doesn't have that backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's going to become a, you know, I think it may hurt your inner city schools. Yeah. Um, parents moving the kids, you know, which – a lot of that went on a lot, you know, anyway, uh, you know, I, I always said, I said, you know, I, I, in my heart, I don't believe Jinx and Union, Bixby, all those, I don't think those guys recruit. Mm-hmm. I think their, their program recruits for itself. Yeah. Because let's face it, if you're a single mom and you've got a, a kid going to a Tulsa public school and you live in a, you know, low income housing and your kid's going to go to this school or, and the kid's really, really good. Mm hmm. Or you could move over here to the low-income housing in Jinx or in Union District or wherever. Why wouldn't you? And you and you're still close enough. You can go to your job. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have done that? Sure. You know, every parent in the world would do that for their kid. And so, I mean, that's what's been going on forever. You know, when Jinx and Union, all those guys were always getting accused of recruiting. They weren't recruiting. It was the program that recruited itself. So that will still happen <laughs> now. Um, you know, I think what's going to happen is eventually you're going to end up seeing some of the some of the same things happen in college. You're going to have these guys that the portal is the worst thing ever happened to college football. Yeah. And because the thing, the thing I hate the most, honestly, is the fact that it teaches kids it's okay to quit. Mm-hmm. It teaches kids it's okay to not fight through 
in the past football, what, that's what football taught you. I mean, you don't have many guys go NFL and make money off of it. It teaches you to fight through adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're having a bad day in your, in your relationship with your wife, you don't just quit. You mm-hmm. don't go find your new wife. You fight through it and you battle through it and you figure it out and you, and you keep going. Same thing if you're not the starter. You're not the starter. Well, you don't, or you don't agree with your coach that day. Don't quit. Mm-hmm. Fight through it. Battle through it. Work harder. Make it happen. Become a champion. You know, I, that's what I, I hate about the portal, and that's what's going to happen in high school. But you know, in portal now, you got all these kids get in the portal, and now they can't. They don't even have a place to go. You take Spencer Sanders for example. You know, here they would have built statues of him at Oklahoma State. Yeah. He was going to break every record Oklahoma State had. But he got some bad advice that he could get some better NFL stock if he went somewhere else to this. this well, he was a backup at Ole Miss and never got on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, so really, what good did that do him? Yeah. Um, and then there's kids, there's kids getting stuck in the portal that don't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, they jump in the portal because they think, all right, I'm going to get something better. They end up not with anything. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. you eventually you'll end up with some problems with that in high school, too. You know, these kids transferring in there because they think they're great and they think they're this and that. Well, the kid that's been there busting his tail, he don't let them beat them out. Mm-hmm. And now they're mad. Well, now you only get one transfer in high school. Yep. So now they're mad. Now they're going to be a cancer in your program or they're going to end up being. You know, I, I, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. I, you know, I, I don't. Again, I, I don't think it'll. Affect, it may not have near as big effect as we all think it's going to. Yeah. But but it'll have, it'll have some effect. You know, I, you know, I've, I've never seen how the portals had effect on recruiting. Mm, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's killing high school recruiting. Yes, it just is. Because you know they used to a college would would build their wall. You know, they'd say, okay, I'm going to put my top ten high school running backs up here. I don't get this first one, I'll get the second one. If I don't get the second one, I'll get the third one. I'll go all the way down this list until I get one. Mm-hmm. Well, now, if they don't get number one or number two, they say, screw it, and they just go, go to the portal. Yeah. You know, so um, my buddy Andrew Rice just took over the Southwestern job. Thing. He's going to do a great job there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of his, how he's approaching recruiting. He's telling these guys, hey, come here, you know, start as a freshman. If you if you do really great and OU wants to take you in, go to OU. I don't, I'll, I'll sign it. I'll help you. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. and basically treating it like a JUCO because that's how everything yeah. <laughs> is going to become now is a JUCO. Yeah, you're 100. I've been kind of thinking that myself, you know, with all this stuff. It's, it, I, I, I 100% agree with you, kind of killing high school recruiting. You know, it's just, it's, it's kind of sad, to be honest with you. It's definitely making it harder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like anymore. There's, unless you're just a super stud, you know, there, you're going to have to be a walk on pretty much. Yep. Um, that's a fact. All right, Coach, before I let you go, I have these three kind of off-the-wall questions I always ask people. All right, first question. What is something people would be surprised to hear that Matt Hennessy is bad at? That I'm bad at. Shit, I'm bad at a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, nah, I'm terrible at golf. Terrible at I golf? Most guys, most, most coaches play golf and my, my theory is if I find a football coach that's really, really good at golf, I want to put him on my schedule because he's probably not, probably not working <laughs> I play golf, man. I, I just – when I came here to Velma, I, I went from being a coordinator to just being like, uh, like just in a, like a position coach. So I had a lot more, you know, free time. So like over the summer, I, when we moved here, I live – I can walk to our local golf course. So I went out there nearly every day, and my game did not get any better. But I enjoy doing it, but I'm not. I'm not ever going on tour. I don't even enjoy it. I 
enjoy doing it. So, because <laughs> I, I don't like winning. So if I'm not if I'm not good at it, <laughs> and, I, and I know I'm not gonna work hard enough to get good at it, so yeah. it just is what it is. Oh man, I actually the one of the last times I went, there were some kids that were out there, and I knew they were pretty decent golfers. And they're like, "Hey, coach, come come play with us." And I was like, "No." I'm I'm fine. You're gonna you want to put you want me to play with you so you can beat me and brag about it next day. So I'm not yeah. <laughs> not gonna let you do that. All right. Second question: If you could visit with any athlete or coach to pick their brain, past or present, who would it be? Athlete or coach? That's a great question. Should have gave me these ahead of time. <laughs> I always like catching people off guard on this one. You know, I think that my my favorite athlete that I'd like to talk to him about, about playing, now not about coaching, but about playing would be Dick Buckus. I mean, I just, mm, mm-hmm. the way he played the game, you know, and then if I had to pick a coach, it'd be Mike Leach. You know, he, yeah. which which I've been, I was lucky enough to go spend a week with him. Oh, wow. Um, cool. when, when we first installed the air raid at, at Skogie, again, my, my relationship with Seth, the trail Seth was coaching for him, so I went and stayed with Seth for a week, with him for a week, and that was a great week. I mean, they had Dana Hogerson was on staff. Bill Beatonbow was on staff. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. it was a heck of a staff, you know. And, uh, That's pretty cool. And learned a lot that week. But just, Leach, just not only the, you know, my two favorite books are Geronimo and Swing Your Sword. Yeah. And um, that, that Leach wrote both those. And just the way he, the way he thinks, the way he, the way he just puts some things together blows my mind. But then the more I sit back and think about it, it just all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. All right, final question. All right, you're you're put on the spot, and you have no choice but to sing a karaoke song. What's that song going to be? Okie from Muskogee all day long. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, Coach, man, I, 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 thank you for taking time and visiting with me today, man, and, and good luck to you going forward. You bet. Appreciate you. Thanks again to Coach Hennessy for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. A new episode comes out every Sunday at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcasting site. Every Wednesday at 3.30, check out Not So Instant Replay exclusively on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page. You can also check out the Kenny and the Coaches official website in the description, and if you're on X, just search at Kenny Coaches. And don't forget, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time. This episode was recorded on February 4th, 2024.